Welcome back to another episode of Sketch Nerds, where we break down sketch comedy. What works, what doesn't work, what we like, what we don't like, and why. Today, we're going to be discussing sketches from Saturday Night Live and Key and Peele. You can find information about the podcast, as well as the sketches we're going to be discussing, at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Joining me, as always, are Elizabeth E.K. Kemp and Leila Dreesey. I'm Seth Alcorn, and today we're happy to have on as a guest, Kelsey Anderson. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Excellent. So, uh, before we get into talking about the sketches, can we talk a little bit about your background in comedy and where you started and how you came to sketch and all that good stuff? Uh, Sure. So, I started doing comedy when I took improv classes at Washington Improv Theater in 2016. Um, And then I started doing sketch soon after. I was... I thought improv was super fun, but I was like, oh, I wish I could revisit these characters. So I looked up, I think I just Googled sketch in DC, found like dojos classes and they were starting the next day. Um, So then I registered for those. Um, And so I've been doing sketch since like mid 2016. And I also, I run the DC comedy website, Comedic Pursuits. And I started that in 2018, which is a resource for DC comedians to find information about shows, uh, how to do different comedy stuff, whatever you're thinking of it could go on the site probably that's my comedy background cool uh wait that is that is a phenomenal resource i do want to make sure we give that plenty of airtime. that's it's a great great place to go if you have any interest in comedy at all does it like uh list the the classes you can take and the theaters you can take them at and all that kind of stuff or what is it yeah what do you do tell us more about the do website you review the teachers also plug it, plug uh, it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ooh, um no i haven't gotten into like reviews uh just because mostly i started the site because when i was starting an indie improv group uh so not like affiliated with a theater there were a lot of things that i felt like comedians had to find out through word of mouth from other comedians or just, like, their friends. And so it was all about, like, who you could get information from. And I just felt like we live in the Internet age. Like, you could just Google something. And there are so many people in D.C. who, like, are so willing to share information. Um, The same goes for Sketch. Like, there are so many people who write Sketch, perform Sketch, um, that would probably love to tell you their thoughts if you, like, met them at a bar and they could talk about Sketch for hours. You guys have this podcast and talk about Sketch for hours. But, like, there wasn't a good central location to find, like, information about how Sketch works, like, in D.C. or how improv works in D.C., how the comedy scene works in D.C. So that's – you can find information about, like, what shows are going on um, in any given week. It's more focused on, like, how to do certain things within the D.C. comedy scene. And what's the name of the website again? Comedic Pursuits. All right. Remember that, audience. Comedic Pursuits. But only for D.C. Everybody outside of D.C., you're out of luck. Get out of here. So if, say, someone were to want to contribute somehow or to be a part of Comedic Pursuits, how would they do it? Um, Sure. So you can go to comedicpursuits.com and find all this information on the contact tab, but you could also just email kanderson at comedicpursuits.com, and I will probably get back to you promptly, or I'll try to. All right, great. Oh, and what what kind of things are you looking for from contributors? Anything that you're interested in discussing in comedy, especially like DC comedy, it can be like a wide. Um, somebody mentioned recently they pitched an article about just auditioning, and so that's auditioning in New York, that's auditioning in DC for different parts, mostly comedic parts. But anything that you have an interest in that you think you want to write about or that you want to tell people how to do, or you think you're kind of like an expert on or an enthusiast about, go for it. Introducing our first sketch today is Kelsey Anderson. 
Uh, great. So my sketch that I picked for today is Target Lady Meets Her First Lesbian. It's from SNL. And if you don't know Target Lady, I feel bad for you. It's a famous Kristen Wiig character. And essentially, it's a basic receptionist shopkeeper uh, set up. Somebody comes up to the Target checkout line. Kristen Wiig is the Target cashier. Um, and she checks people out. She pretty much Every customer that comes up to the line, she will find something, normally like a really uh, mundane item that she's never seen before. Like I think in this one it was like a deodorant and she ran off. She she went off to go get it so she can like have it herself because she's so amazed at the variety of things in Target. And then she often reveals too much information about her life and her hobbies to uh, any of the customers in Target, in the Target line. Let's cut to a clip. to cover the entire surface of my adult outdoor slide. It's too fast! (laughs) The other day, I zipped down so darn quickly, I flew into my neighbor's yard and threw her legs and ended up next to her Acura! Okay, I'm sorry. My girlfriend's waiting in the car, so... You're what? Why are you making that face? I've never met a lesbian! Do you all wear vests? I'm not wearing one right now. Stereotype busted! I learn something every day at Target. Yesterday, I learned that Coca-Cola is dark brown. Kelsey, I'm going to ask, why did you bring us a sketch? Oh, and sorry, let me make that a little bit more specific. Why this sketch, and particularly why this one out of all of the Target Lady sketches? Good question. So I love Kristen Wiig. I love all of her characters. So I knew I wanted to bring a Kristen Wiig sketch um, because I just, she has these lines that make me, like, I'll think about for hours and just giggle, like, repeatedly, um, thinking about, like, just the same line. Um, And so for this one, I, it kills me, and I've repeated this line just, like, out of the blue for no reason. The, uh, I own every issue of Sassy Magazine or whatever. I can't do the voice. but um, And then she just goes on and talks about, like, her birds and the ghosts and, like, how all these things are interconnected. Um, so, like, when I was thinking, I was like, what sketch just makes me laugh the hardest? I just kept coming back to this one. There are so many Kristen Wiig characters that make me die laughing, but, like, especially this sketch just has so many weird little details that I just will think about over and over, and they always make me laugh, no matter how many times I've, like, seen the sketch or heard the line. Yeah, the one that's, like, making me laugh right now is the deodorant when she goes, I'm going <laughs> to... I want to do the impression, <laughs> but I don't actually want to do it. Um, I'm going to use this to uh, cover my slip and slide because <laughs> it's too slippery. <laughs> too gets me every time. Target Lady had nine appearances over eight years on SNL. How do you make recurring characters feel fresh? And EK, I'm going to toss this one to you as a director. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm going to toss this one to Kelsey as the writer. Ooh, uh, well, so, okay. Um, I actually, and I cannot confirm, I remember reading this on the internet somewhere and cannot trace back the source. But um, I remember Kristen Wiig say saying... it was Comedic Pursuits. It was on Comedic Pursuits. I interviewed Kristen Wiig. And in that interview, <laughs> she said... Um, she, I remember in some interview, Kristen Wiig said that she kind of had final say on 
when her characters were done and, like, how many times she would bring them on the show. And I don't know if that's a deal that all the people on SNL have, but I was I was like, oh, Kristen Wiig is so in charge. I think this was just after Bridesmaids had come out, so, like, she was kind of an of-the-moment. Yeah, yeah, she was, she was in the news a lot. And I just remember thinking, like, her characters were so funny, and I felt like just the fact that she kind of was like, but they're my characters. Like, I know they're the nation's characters, but I'm only going to do them when I want. And so, like, as since Kristen Wiig is a writer and a performer, I felt like she was like, no, I'm going to use it when it feels right. That's like, that's what I like to imagine that Kristen Wiig does. So I feel like, <laughs> I feel like as a writer, I would just feel like, if it doesn't fit, then we're not putting in the show because it's mine. But I feel like I've, so I listened to an interview. She doesn't do a lot of like lengthy interviews. Um, and she seems like she's actually kind of a private person. And I feel like that just jibes with like that one interview I listened to like years ago about how she's just like a little unsure about everything and like very cautious but at the same time like very silly. So the basic idea that you proffered for us was that you keep it fresh by keeping the character limited, right? You don't, the character doesn't come out as often as maybe people would like. You make sure that when the character does come out, it's it's sort of a, a, a nice surprise for people. You know, no one really knows whether to expect it, that kind of thing. Oh, wait. Ooh. Sorry, no. I just thought of an answer. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess because I think the beauty of these characters is that you know exactly what they're going to do. Like in every Target Lady sketch, she's going to talk in her weird voice and she's going to run away from the register. People are going to be either annoyed or like amused by that behavior. So it's kind of, it's such a recognizable pattern. But since it is so funny, like if you... Like, you know, if you turn on SNL and you're watching it live um, in this day and age, then, like, you're just, like, I feel like you kind of have that anticipation of, like, oh, I wonder if Target Lady is going to be on tonight. And, like, maybe she is, maybe she isn't, but maybe that's kind of why you watch the show. Like, that was definitely why I would watch SNL sometimes, like, waiting for which Kristen Wiig character was going to be on and if she would do, like, <laughs> Penelope or Gilly or whatever her other weird ones are. Nice. Um, EK, you had a tag up on that. Oh, yeah. It just took me a minute. Okay. Um, so uh, you asked, like, how do you keep it fresh? For yes. me, it's, I think, a great example of a recurring character staying fresh, at least on the Saturday Night Live context, to someone like Mary Catherine Gallagher, where it's, you know what she's going to do. It's the fingers in the armpit. And, the, you know, there's the build to it. But in each sketch, she's confronted with a different problem. And it's just seeing how that, fully developed character navigates that problem. And so this is where I will reveal my controversial position on, on the improv? target lady. Oh. <laughs> no, we already know about EK's position on improv. <laughs> Burn it to the ground. No. Um, <laughs> I also look fire. Anyway, no. <laughs> my Audience controversial my controversial position on the target lady. I am actually not a huge fan of this character. And it's, I think that is actually the reason why for me, which is it's just different people that she encounters. It's not really, for me, it's not fresh from sketch to sketch. And even in her interactions with the people, it's, I don't know that you need the sketches to be as long as they are to get the point for me. It just starts to feel, for me, it always felt like a very repetitive character. And it was kind of like, like it lost that excitement for me after the first one or two times where it was like, I know what this is going to be now. I mean, I think you're right. 
the like for the sketch there how many I don't know how many different customers come up to her it's usually like two or three and I was thinking like do we need those two sets of customers or can it just be like the the first one and that's it but I think what keeps it fresh are like all the detailed stories that she tells about like the ghost that's living in her house who's like between <laughs> realms. <laughs> I, I did like the ghost detail. <laughs> and I think maybe sometimes the problem is that like her character speaks so quickly that like I think some of the jokes might get lost because she's yeah. also like moving around really quickly too. Yeah. Um, so it takes like, I don't know, I have to listen very closely to it in it, order to, like, get It does it. become a little, like, Charlie Brown teacher voice yeah. to me after a little bit, like, oh, I'm a target, like, I'm a target. You know? and, may- and maybe that's part of the issue for me is, like, just that that octane and that, that pitch <laughs> just, like, it it wears on me a little bit, so I, I can't listen at the level of detail that you have to to catch all those things. But, like, when she... Like, you're like no but she, but it's wonderful it's so I, wonderful. I agree that it's like one note but within that one note there's it's jam-packed <coughs> sorry she's talking about like how a void takes too much energy and so she has to eat half an <laughs> almond to get her through this one process and I don't know if you've ever worked in retail but like those people exist <laughs> there's like oh yep. god I have to take care of this and it's like oh Jesus like take it down a notch <laughs> and so I just I don't know there's and then she eats the other half the almond later because her blood sugar is lower. <laughs> it worked! Yeah. <laughs> and she's, like, so excited by herself. She's, like, her own best friend. Yeah, um, I, I'm i going to also, uh, I'm going to agree with EK on this one. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> um, Target Lady's not my favorite, but yet I love Celebrity Jeopardy. Mm. Could not get me enough of that old um, Will Ferrell celebrity Jeopardy. <laughs> and I can't tell whether that was me waiting to figure out or to find out how Sean Connery was going to insult him this time or to see who the the mystery guest was. Because it was always like, it seemed like it was always Sean Connery, Burt Reynolds, maybe somebody else, and then <laughs> a random celebrity that they just tossed up there. But Is it light? Purple, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Still my favorite. Breathe. The one time I've liked Toby Maguire. <laughs> wow. Uh, Burn Toby Maguire. Gonna need some back team for that one. He's my not a nice person. Did you read about his poker games? I'm like, oh, I do not want to be friends with you. I don't I, think. I, I did not read about Toby Maguire's poker games. Yeah. But um, getting more back on track. <laughs> Sorry, uh, it's okay. <laughs> The impractical purposes she has for items receive some of the biggest laughs. Uh, what other repetitive elements, uh, what are some other repetitive elements that score well with laughter and uh, Layla as an actor? Physicality. All right. All right. This is my favorite thing to talk about. Because especially in this one, well, you're she's a very like, physical actor, if I could say that. Yeah. And I think people have said that to me now. I use it as a crutch all the time, which I'm proud to admit. Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, audience, for those of you who can't see, which is all of you, she's using it right now. But that's yeah, not a problem. Well, I have scoliosis, so sometimes I have to use my Dang, own. Dang, and I feel awkward. <laughs> um, but so in this one, she, like, the repetitive one is her fists in the air. And she's like, kind of jerks back. I how do I describe this one? She she throws her, her she throws herself back in the air, <laughs> raising her fists in triumph. While her and, but she, yes, her she bowl cut shakes the fist, right? She sort of keeps it like like enthusiastic but tight at the same time. Like, ah! and that's like her language the whole time. Like even when she's typing, I think she's got like one arm tucked in, and the other one is her other hand is like pecking at the keyboard, and she's like turning with like her entire torso. Also, uh, bowl cuts <laughs> inherently funny. 
Yes. Do we think, are they just... I think it I, depends on how they move. I had a bowl cut <laughs> in the early 80s. Oof. I was five Hilarious. at the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think they were just something that was in fashion for a brief period and has gone so far out of fashion that anybody wearing a bowl cut is uh, automatically humorous. Or are they so out of fashion that they're back in, in fashion, fashion in like places like Williamsburg <laughs> and... I think powdered wigs are really still in fashion in Williamsburg. I think that's what's <laughs> happening down there. I mean, yeah, that might very well be oh, the case. the other Williamsburg. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> I just so picked up jokes. on that. I just... That's right. Colonial I, Williamsburg. But it, says, but it says something about what's happening in Williamsburg right now that I'm like... Yeah, I could see people walking around in powdered wigs and that just being a thing. Like, it's just, there's, it's a hot new brunch place and you wear a powdered wig. I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Maybe Brooklyn like eight years ago. But where the bowl cut came back? Yeah. Kelsey, what do you think about that level of costuming, that level of attention to detail? Like, how much time should you spend on it? And particularly if you are a sketch comedy group at the level that we're all performing uh, at, how much would you spend on getting the costuming right for that kind of character? I'm really into costumes, so <laughs> I feel like, like, even if it's like an absurd costume change, I'm just like, but I want it to look right. And I think maybe it's because I like started doing improv first, so like thinking of it from like a performance aspect before thinking about it from like a putting it on paper aspect, like just your appearance, like, when you first walk on stage is everything, and I feel like that carries over. Like, I have uh, the remnants of black nail polish from, like, a goth teen that I played, like, uh, a couple of days ago. So, like, I, like, down to, like, nobody's going to notice my nails probably, but just in case I put my hands up to my face, like, I want somebody to see, like, oh, she's got, like, the black nails. She's totally, like, nailing Committed. this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, like, it's I... I method get, acting, I think, at some point. Yeah, I was totally goth for that whole show. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like I, so that level of costuming, I think like even just like little things like as a performer can kind of make you, like I was also for that like goth costume wearing this like big heavy cross and I just kept messing with it and like jerking on it. And that was like, that became part of my character, like that, that like tick. And so I think like small things, even just in costuming can help you create a character and like stick to those uh, bigger things, like huge physicalities or whatever. And like, I don't know if like Kristen Wiig throwing her head back Maybe when she had her bowl cut wig on, she was just like, this feels hilarious. So, like, I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can I actually, I hadn't thought about it that way before, but I can I can just sort of see the idea of throwing your head back and seeing this sort of ripple out of the corner <laughs> of your eye. And you're just like, no, no, we're keeping this one. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, if you're wearing really long fingernails, like, even if you're just standing there, like, your hands are still, you're, yeah, they're, you like, open to- up. Hold your hands differently. Mm-hmm. That, like- that is one thing I don't understand is that the the, the folks with the really long press-on nails that like have to type the keys. Directors. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I don't have, it's it's not me, it's them, so, you know, whatever. You just type differently. It's like you rather than the kind of like the, the, like the cupped hands, you just kind of go flat-fingered and do like that. I don't even have nails, and I know that. I'm just saying. Because <laughs> I've watched it. I've watched it happen. And it's 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 crazy to see people type with fingers like that. I withdraw my objection, Senator. I will also say that in shows, and I don't know if anyone's ever noticed, but if I'm switching from character to character, my hairstyle usually changes. 
And oh. it's like sometimes it's a ponytail on top of my head. Sometimes it's like my hair is parted, and that feels more like mask. Like when I did um, the Renaissance one, it was like that one. My hair down and kind of in my face feels like more masculine, sexy. Um, so then they're like really, it's really small, but it's still like that's I make a point to do that like per character. Catwoman has a certain hairstyle. Uh, what's her face? D has a certain hairstyle. So it does like affect how you move your head and how you interact with things. People, I've, ne- I've never noticed that. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like I have to pay more attention in our shows. <laughs> yeah. And I will draw on a beard and no matter how like few seconds I have to do it because it makes a huge difference to like how I feel. You mean stage. in the context of a sketch show? Oh yeah. Not, I mean yeah. I'm or no, Tuesday. Well, sometimes. Or Tuesday. Sometimes. I have uh, a I have an important meeting with, <laughs> with a lot of important <laughs> people. So real. I'm going to draw on this beard. <laughs> um, but like even if it's like a back-to-back sketch, I will go backstage and I'll draw that beard on as fast as possible because it just it just feels better. I feel like this whole question was really at Seth trying to justify spending a lot of money on the very large nails. styrofoam uh, swords. <laughs> I didn't actually spend money on those. <laughs> that was the group. <laughs> that came out of our budget? I, I certainly didn't spend money on them. So, yeah. Who okayed that purchase? <laughs> Isaiah. Well, it looks like we're going to have to cut this episode short as two of the founding members are going to kill each other. But uh, we'll bring it out the fire. We'll, we'll discuss it during the audit. <laughs> I didn't know we had audits. I'm not going to be around. We're having that. audits now and that we're buying <laughs> super expensive. All right, so about the sketch we're talking about. Let me get back to this. Let me get back to this. Okay, the sketch The sketch is titled, The Target Lady Meets Her First Lesbian. Is this a deceptive title? What more could they have done with this scene? Because as I recall, it was Target Lady Meets Her First Lesbian and a couple of other customers. I think the le- the lesbian was the first customer, yes, so I don't yes. know if that was like their device for I haven't looked at the other Target Lady titles and figured out that pattern, but... Um, I don't know. I just, I felt like that was probably, to me, that's another one of the jokes that just, like, sticks out so much. I don't know. Like, I, when she makes the joke and she's like, do all lesbians wear vests? And then, like, she's the only one wearing a vest. And, like, the woman is just like, no, they, they don't. I'm not wearing a vest right now. Stereotype. Busted, or whatever she says. Like, I just, I don't know. That's, I don't know if they just chose it because that was the joke that, they thought was funny. Yeah, I would imagine it's probably something they use just to name the sketch. The just episode. as a sort of yeah. a convention, like let's. This is sort of the standout interaction. Yeah. So Target let's go lady with that one. goes nuts. Uh, whatever you know. Target lady meets. Yeah, because it could have been target lady uses dial deodorant to slow down uh, her adult life. Degree slide. cool rush. Degree speed cool up. Rhymes. Oh wait, she's. Oh yeah, no, it's slow, slow down. down. It's, it's, it's too time. fast. <laughs> she landed next to her neighbor's Acura. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know how this sticks in my head, but yeah. it did. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes it just do. Sometimes yeah. it be that way. Let me ask this. Is there anything anybody would change about this sketch? Well, I, I touched on this a little bit earlier. One of, the, one of the things I maybe could see doing would be tightening it up just a little bit, trimming it just a little bit. I, I think it would be interesting as someone who... I think kind of tires of of this character after a bit. Like I think it would be a lot more palatable for me if it was smaller, like two or three minutes as opposed to nearly six minutes. Um, I think it would just be interesting to see what what it looks like in shorter form, but it might not have the same impact. I don't know. I will say that for me, I thought one of the most effective bits was the second potential customer who's like, wait a minute, short lady, brown lips, 
looks like she's wearing a hair helmet. Yes. Oh, no, I don't have time for this today. <laughs> I, I think maybe more stuff like that where there were characters who had encountered Target Lady before and maybe in different situations where maybe they had to deal with her and couldn't get away and something like that. But I think that would have been, I think that would have been fun. Yeah, they do that a little bit with the coworker at the very beginning. Yeah. A, like a tiny bit. But yeah, and, and I haven't seen enough, like all of the Target ladies but like, what? Who is she with her boss? Layla, who is she with research. her coworkers? <laughs> Not all of them. Yeah, and like, just a little bit more about that environment as a whole. I think would be helpful besides just customer interactions. Have you seen all the? I've seen most of them, but now it's been a while. Like, I picked this one because like this was the one that I always remembered all of the jokes from, basically. So I think they do. I think there is one where somebody else is essentially playing another target lady. So, like, there's kind of that mirroring aspect of that. But, like, I think it is, for the most part, a repetitive... It's one of the more repetitive, like, Kristen Wiig characters because it's the same pattern. But, yeah. I didn't really like the part where somebody comes in and is like, oh, this lady again. Mostly because I was like, we don't really... Like, I felt like it wasn't all that necessary. I thought it was kind of... I was like, it's okay, she's just, like the ridiculous character in this world and it's fine to just let her go off and be ridiculous like we don't need somebody being like oh like (laughs) I've already dealt with this in a previous visit to Target (laughs) (laughs) anyway this podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy troupe Bad Medicine DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity visit badmedicinecomedy.com for info about live shows workshops and t-shirts for people who love comedy And introducing the next sketch is me. For the audience, this was actually picked by Julian Morgan, frequent co-host, but he was feeling ill and could not be here today, so I'm going to introduce it. This is Keen Peel's These Nuts, and Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peel star in starting their own 30-minute sketch comedy series, leaving no stone unturned, whether satirizing the president or spoofing Nazis in their search for laughs. The sketch These Nuts aired in season five during their series finale episode titled The End. And with that, let's go to a clip. Hey, look, you've been doing this for about a week now, and it was kind of funny at first. These nuts were kind of funny against your chin. Vincent worried about you. I was worried about these knots on your chin. Man, seriously. <sighs> these nuts were seriously on your chin. So these nuts. I remember when this was funny. The year was 1999. I was still in college, and some friends of mine and I were saying it for the very first time. Um, wow, we have got a historical record of the yeah. first time that these was nuts. The Oxford have been English said. history of <laughs> these nuts. These nuts. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, the let's first j- reference to these nuts was <laughs> <laughs> recorded in the 19th century. <laughs> <laughs> when Lord Walpole said no. Okay, um, so all right, these nuts. What do we think I, I of the sketch, first that. of all? I can let's, go let's talk on about with that bit for ages. Maybe we should. We're going to keep going. We're doing these, that bit. These nuts appears in, in comic form in cave paintings dating back to the past. You can see this caveman is clearly holding up the nuts of a mammoth to the other caveman. If you look at the uh, contours of the balls on this nuts... Then you can see how old 
the model was for these nuts. <laughs> these old nuts. <laughs> On your chin. <laughs> I think we just explained why this sketch works, though. <laughs> like, I, I, he's got a point. It's almost never not funny. <laughs> <laughs> See, that was interesting to me. Because I didn't like the sketch. <laughs> I thought that there were parts of it that were good. I, I think my favorite bit is at the end when his dad <laughs> dies. Uh, oh I forget the actor's name, but he played Mac on Night Court. His dad dies and he wants to cry, but it's so funny to him that he can't help laughing. So he's in this sort of like weird, smiling in this weird rictus of this <laughs> this laughter that he can't help bursting forth from him because his dad has used the D's nuts. Was it, wait, was he laughing or was it like the, what is that like? Dramatic. Almost sad, happy kind of thing. Like, you're going to a better place, dad. Like that kind of thing. You know what? I mean, I think it makes more I'm sense. I'm not like good with laughing. human feelings. What do you call that? <laughs> well, EK Robot, we call that. <laughs> yeah, I, I took it for him. It looked like he was fighting a laugh. Like he wanted to cry, but he was seriously fighting a laugh. But Layla and Kelsey, what do you think? I believe he was fighting a laugh. <laughs> All right, so that's that's two for fighting a laugh, Layla. I believe he was fighting a laugh. All right, that's three for fighting a laugh. So EK, that's what we call fighting a laugh. Okay, right. that's fine. Yeah. Uh, let me ask this, Kelsey. This is you as a writer. Can you think of a dumber, lazier joke than D's nuts? <laughs> I once wrote a sketch that was pretty much reliant on fart noises repeatedly. So that's like amazing. I, that's yeah. not even like a line that's just noises. There, there's <laughs> a classic have you seen Blazing Saddles? There is a classic scene in Blazing Saddles where it's I wanna say three to four minutes of fart noises. That's that's a classic joke. That's Where an exact would be description of my music? sketch. Three nice. to four minutes of fart noise. I hope that's its title. I really want that to be its title. <laughs> I did have to go through and put a fart soundtrack together. So that's that's just literally like three to four minutes of different farts stitched together on GarageBand. Were you, able, <laughs> were you able to keep a straight face while you were doing that? Because I just thought about it right now and I don't think I'd be able to hold it in. You know, I was so also to supposed to be eating a Go-Gurt while the fart noises were we're playing uh so the first time we did it in front of a live audience i ended up getting laughing while having gogurt in my mouth and also missing my mouth with the gogurt tube so then i just got gogurt all down my shirt so no long story short i i laughed most of the time i had to turn away all right i think that's absolutely fair anybody else on the panel dumber lazier joke than d's nuts that's what she said mm. Mm. your mom oh god yeah. um yeah Honestly, I can only think of hacky stereotype stuff that might be dumber or lazier. Like what? These, uh, uh, sexist stuff about... Um, oh, women be shopping. Women yeah, be shopping. Some, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, as, as far as it goes, um, D's nuts is a pretty, pretty lazy joke. But how do you elevate a dumb joke? Right? How do you keep it going? Let me ask this in another way. Does the sheer fact of repetition work for you all in this sketch? In this sketch, yeah. I think there's two. There's, it's the repetition. Mm -hmm. It's the repetition with the heightening of mm -hmm. the, the situation. So first it's like, you know, this is a really serious office problem. Like, it's not funny. Stop. And then it's like, your dad died. Um, and I'm, I think there's like a, another something or other that happens in there. So as the tension rises, it gets funnier. Yeah. 
But to your question of repetition, mm-hmm. I think it's paired with the fact that the, the tension is there. So it's a repetition and heightening. Yeah. All right, Kelsey, what do you think? Yeah, because I'd say I think it goes through like ebbs and flows because when I was first watching the sketch, I was like, they said it and I was like, oh, is this the whole thing? And then like, then it is the whole thing. And like, but that's kind of, that's what becomes funny about it. Like, I don't know, like when I was, I was like, okay, fine. But then I was like, oh, they've said it so many times now I find it funny. And then there was some point in the middle where I was like, okay, like how much longer is this? But then like by the end, I was like, no, this is hilarious. I really like it. So I think, but I think like that amount of repetition requires some like patience, but also some like knowing that you're probably going to lose the audience. And I think that heightening is where you bring them back because you're like, we're still going in this ridiculous place. Like, all right, fine. I will give you this kudos. Like whoever's performing and writing the sketch, like, okay, it's funny. It takes a lot of confidence to do something like that where you know like you've got that calibrated just right so that you do end on that upswing where it's like, gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) What was uh, your favorite team from Chicago? Good guys? Good game. I can never get it right. Good game. They did a lot of that. Yeah. Repetition stuff. Yeah. And um, like the, the creeping baby thing, like... It's like their enthusiasm, in that example, their enthusiasm is what captured the audience because they were so excited to continue doing the same thing over and over again, I think. Um, Whereas in this one, it's like the tension and things keep getting worse. It's almost like this guy has a disease that he can't stop saying it. Yeah, and they sort of address that in the sketch when Keegan-Michael Key likes to snap out of it and he's like, oh, I I don't know what came over me. I I just couldn't stop. Speaking of repetition... Then they have that bit between them where it's the argument over whether it's funny or not. And for me, that actually went on just a little, a, a few a few exchanges too long where it's, it's funny, but, but what if it's not though? But it's funny, but uh, it really wasn't. And then they did that like, I want to say seven or eight times. And I'm like, okay, I, okay, all right. Is now the joke repetition? Like that's what's going on? It's like, we're just going to keep repeating things? I guess... That is cringy to me because that's the real life part of it. Right. Where like someone is saying it and saying it and saying it and like we've all been in that situation where we're like, okay, that's, you need to stop. Like, it's, it's not funny. It's no longer funny. So yeah. I think yeah. that's like a grounding moment for me in yeah. that series. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to say that something we usually talk about when repetition comes up is family guy because for, for whatever reason they seem to have sort of cornered the markets wrong, but they certainly seem to have mastered that sort of, like, we know exactly how long we can keep you on this hook before we have to let it go and, and switch to another reference. Again, I I don't know that it worked for me in this sketch. I don't know that it worked for me. I will say I was actually a little bit disappointed with the ending only because I wanted something. When he went to the hospital, I immediately went to, oh, his dad is going to say, right. Tastes nuts. Like, like that's how it's going to end. And sure enough, that's how it ended. I almost wanted it to end with the dad Putting his saying another oh. dumb joke. Like, ending with something like, your mom. <laughs> or something like that, where it's it's in that same vein of the D's nuts kind of joke. And it's it add, it would add another layer or something like that between uh, to their relationship and give more color to, to Jordan Peele's character. But... I don't know. That was my only structural thing. I just, I wanted a little bit more of a surprise at the end. Yeah, I guess that was predictable. I, I, I thought it was. I, it might have actually been funnier if Jordan Peele's character had 
taken up the mantle once again and given his dad a, a D's nuts on the way out, but I, I still don't know. So speaking of the end, there's some pretty serious drama in this sketch. So how can you how can you create a tone or feeling and not lose it with jokes? And Kelsey, I'm actually going to start with you again as the writer right now. How would you how would you do that and then not completely lose or keep enough of that feeling to make the joke work without getting rid of that feeling entirely? Good question. I don't know. I guess like I guess in that case, like, you're relying on whoever is performing in your sketch to kind of, like, have that, like, gravitas or whatever, like, in the situation where, you know, it's a serious situation. You're just like, okay. It, it, it would, I guess it would come to you as, like, a writer to convey that, like, you want somebody to portray, a, like, their their reactions in this way. But I don't know. Like, I think part of it is that, like, Jordan Peele's character is so serious from the very beginning, too. Like, every, like, all of his, like, these nuts are, like, straight-faced from the beginning. So, like, it's... In this case, I think it works because he kind of just carries that, like, through to this very serious situation. So for for the character, it's serious. And it, I, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but... We, well, we've, we've talked in the past, I think, about the production value of Key and Peele and yeah. their commitment in every sketch. It They almost all feel like short films. Uh, this one especially. Like, it felt yeah. like, a, like a courtroom drama movie or something like that. Well, and, and, and I think that's exactly what it was supposed to be, right? Yeah. They had the, they had the dark tailored suits on, the, the dark lighting, the, the room filled with leather-bound books yeah. and <laughs> mahogany. And, I mean, it, you immediately knew just based on those choices, those those artistic direction choices, exactly what the tone of it was. And that that setting and that lighting and the costuming did so much of the work for them in grounding the seriousness of the situation. And cer- I mean, certainly they had to to carry it on the acting front as well, but there were a lot of elements that were supporting that contrast of the the silliness of the joke with the situation. I mean, you can take a look at like some of the shots as well. They were doing these like high like close up shots. Yeah, like, it's all above the shoulder, which I don't know if that's like particular to courtroom show- shows things like that. But the tightness of the shot, I think, uh, like focusing focuses in on the seriousness of like the actors, you know, they're like faces and they're like deep eye contact. It's time for final thoughts. Uh, Kelsey, as the guest, why don't you come up with a rating system uh, so we can rate these sketches today? Um, number of issues of Sassy Magazine. Number of issues of Sassy Magazine. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, and we'll go ahead and start with uh, Target Lady, Kelsey, as the guest. Why don't you go ahead and rate that sketch? 3,000 issues of Sassy Magazine. 3,000 issues of Sassy Magazine. All right, okay. I'm going to give this one a high rating because I always bring character sketches and they always get shot down by everyone else <laughs> at the table. And so I'm going to, I'm just going to go high support on this one. Say 4,000 issues Whoa. of Thank Sassy you. Magazine. Wow. Do we know how many issues there are actually of Sassy Magazine? Uh, Target Lady owns all of them, so. <laughs> she creates them. All of them. Yes. It's infinite, really. Infinite Sassy Magazine. Um, <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to say 15 issues of Sassy Magazine, <laughs> but, like, the best 15, and as introduced by Phil Hartman. Ooh. Sassy. Ooh. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I have to I have to come in low on this. Uh, I'm going to say three issues of Sassy, 
two of 16, one tiger beat and one teen beat. And I think that's going to be it. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I just, I do feel compelled to point out though that like Sassy Magazine was targeted at a demographic probably four or five years older or even six years older than Teen Beat and Tiger Beat. I mean, I understand that you did not grow up as a as teenage a, as a girl. Woman, yes, that's <laughs> absolutely true. I was never a teenage girl. I'm just saying that you wouldn't put them in the same category of magazine, okay? It was a totally different vibe. Well, it's, <laughs> it, it's better than me bringing in my... Bringing there were no hair crimping tips in Teen Beat or Tiger Beat. <laughs> There was a lot of JTT when I was growing up. <laughs> so this is a real magazine. This is Tiger Bee? Oh yeah. Oh this, no, Sassy this is Magazine. The best I could have hoped no, for. No, Sassy Magazine is a real magazine. I didn't know that. It was sort of like a low rent seventeen, mm. like a little like if you were like maybe you Too definitely like lost your virginity before the people who just read seventeen did. Like, you probably smoked a little earlier, that kind of thing. That was the vibe. That was the brand. Okay. Uh, this is actually a fascinating <laughs> discussion on demographics for Teen Girl magazines, and I wish it could continue. I loved uh, it. But <laughs> now we've got to go ahead and rate these nuts. Can we also talk about EK's virginity now? <laughs> Based off of her magazine Layla, subscription. we can absolutely not talk about EK's virginity. I As you know, know that is know. only available to our $10 and up Patreon subscribers when we get a Patreon. It's a good story, though, let me tell you. We start a second podcast. <laughs> no issues of Sassy Magazine World. No, I never even had subscriptions to those. I used to get them uh, when I was sick. Oh. Okay, that's interesting. It's yeah. kind of a treat to keep you occupied. Were you? Yeah, they were like, my mom was just like, you're home. I don't want you to bother me. Here's this <laughs> pile of weird magazines, and hopefully it will make you girlier and less like, you know, the son, I guess, that you're the best son we have because your brothers <laughs> don't play sports. <laughs> and I don't know. There's there's a lot of layers. We don't need to go Can into it. Can we do this it. for okay. the $5 and up Patreon subscribers? <laughs> this stuff is gold. This is an insight into EK's childhood, and we're just giving it out for free. <laughs> All right, let's read this other story. All right, let's, uh, and I'll, I'll go ahead and start with me. Uh, these nuts by Key and Peele. Honestly, this one, for me... All it gets is the subscription card from inside one issue of Sassy Magazine. That's it. That's all I can give this. Is that the rating scale? Or we- the rating scale is issues of Sassy Magazine, and in my case, it didn't even get one. It just got the subscription card. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. But if you get the subscription card, that's potentially unlimited issues of Sassy Magazine if it's, you fill it out. It's also potentially end. none. It's Schrodinger's <laughs> subscription. You've you've just rated it all the potential or none of the potential of war. <laughs> I certainly have. But now it's your turn to rate it. <laughs> this is tough. This is really tough. I'm gonna rate it that attachment. I'm gonna rate it the sassy magazine I got when I had um stomach flu that one time when I was like ten or something, and I think it was I think that really I must have read it probably four times learned a lot about eye makeup and Delia's fashions. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm dating myself now. <laughs> but it got me through a tough time, a tough time. And uh, the fact that I read it multiple times, I think aligns with the repetition theme in the sketch. 
And I'm just talking now until everyone loses interest, which also aligns with some of the themes we identified with that sketch. (laughs) So that, just to wrap it all up. Bringing it full circle. That issue of Sassy Magazine, whatever it was. Layla? I also watched a lot of MacGyver. <laughs> I just want to keep talking about EK. Layla, I'm, I'm going to need you to top that. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I would say it's the magazine. I'll just give it like a one magazine, but it's the magazine that like when you are at the doctor's office and there's a pile of magazines and you're like, oh, I wouldn't pay for this, but it's here, so I might as well see what they have to say about my fashion choices. Mm-hmm. And you look at it and you're like, I, I'm not sad that I looked at it, but um, I'm, I, um, I learned something new about myself. It's usually like an old in-style magazine or like a Better Homes and Gardens. It's yeah. just like, look it's at all this cool fair. stuff happening in Minnesota <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with fences. The last time I looked at a magazine in a doctor's office, it was young. I was young enough that I was still attracted by highlights because I wanted to read about Goofus and Gallant. Is Highlight still a thing? I have no idea. Oh, I, think, man. I think they're still in doctor's offices. I don't know how old they are. Our producer gives giving us the thumbs up that, yes, Highlight magazine is still a thing. <laughs> he and must have a subscription. Uh, <laughs> is this also a childhood thing? Everyone yes, loves it. God, I would, I would subscribe to Highlights today. <laughs> <laughs> still got to learn those life lessons from yeah. Memphis and Gallant. EK, Does Comedy Pursuits that have a <laughs> But before <laughs> we make that happen, option. Kelsey, rate this sketch. I give it the four sassy magazines that you threw on the back of your toilet tank Um, in a similar vein to looking through it at a doctor's office. You open it when you're at a friend's house, and you're like, this is here, I guess, and then you're like, this is from 1997, so, but I'm here. It's fine. I think the only doctor's office that would dare to have Sassy Magazine would be like a Planned Parenthood or something. (laughs) It was just too edgy for most family practices. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Sketch Nerds. A special thanks to our guest, Kelsey Anderson, for being a guest on today's show. Where, once again, can our listeners find you online? Um, They can find me at comedicpursuits.com and also on Facebook. It's just my name, Kelsey Anderson. I have an Instagram, Else. And I also can be seen on the Dear Friends Instagram or in Dear Friends shows at Dojo. Excellent. Listeners, please like, share, and subscribe. If you have a sketch you're interested in us breaking down, please send it to us. We'd love to do that. You can find out more about Sketch Nerds and Bad Medicine at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds, where you can also find links to the sketches that we discussed today. You can find this podcast and previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And for Kelsey Anderson, Leila Dreesey, and Elizabeth E.K. Kemp, I'm Seth Alcorn. Thanks for listening to Sketch Nerds. This episode was produced by Isaiah Hedden and recorded in Washington, D.C. The closing music tracks were provided by SoundtrackForEverything.com. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. The Sketch Nerds podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy group Bad Medicine, D.C.'s best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. For showtimes, videos, and funny t-shirts, please visit badmedicinecomedy.com.